today on Act News Daily. It has been a learning experience for us. Yeah, I know. I have seen alpacas, but I have not worked very closely with them. So it's been really great to learn more about what that operation needs. And what's also great about being a part of National Farmer Union is we have a really extensive network. So we've been able to help connect those folks. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Thursday here on the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell joined by Ashton Carr. And Ashton, we've not yet talked about what we're doing next week on the podcast. We really haven't. And it took me a second to know what you were talking about, Delaney. I was like, hmm, next week, what's going on next week? But some pretty big things, actually. Yes, we will be at the National Association of Farm Broadcasters annual convention in Kansas City, Missouri. And this event has not happened in a year now. And so this will be the first time back in person since 2019. And so it's going to be a good time. It's really interesting. We always collect a lot of great content at an event called the quote trade talk event, which is basically like the opposite of a trade show because at trade shows, Ashton, a lot of times vendors are setting up, they're trying to sell their products to farmers at the trade talk event. It's a little different. We've got a lot of great top level officials from different ag companies, but they're trying to sell their stories to ag reporters. So we'll get quite a few different good conversations that'll happen next week that we'll be airing on the podcast for the following weeks to come. And I'm very excited personally, because I have never been to an NAFB conference. I was a part of the virtual conference last year, but this one's actually in person. So I am very excited about that and very excited to see you since we've been together almost two years and we've only met one time. That's true. That will be a good component as well. And we got to toot your horn a little bit. You were selected to join this year's social media core for the organization. Do you know what you'll be doing down there? Can you share anything with us on that? Um, Yeah, I'm just going to be doing some social media stuff, announcing awards, posting on NAFB socials, doing some blog stuff. So I'm very excited because I haven't had an experience like this before. And I'm just excited to talk to other folks involved in ag communications and broadcast and hopefully network a little bit. Fantastic. So you'll be running the NAFB's social media sites then, Ashton. Yes, along with two other college students. So I'm sure you'll see my face, hear my voice. So folks, do tune into that stuff. Well, fantastic. You'll also still be on the podcast. So we're not getting ready uh, quite yet, but uh, that'll be good, folks. You can tune along with us next week at NAFB on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. National will be there. You can also, of course, follow us on Ag News Daily. But yeah, it'll be a good time. I'm excited to get to see some farm broadcasters I haven't seen in a while. So, Absolutely, Delaney. But with that, I'm going to go ahead and lead us into some news today because we have a couple of things to talk about. And one of those that I want to kick things off with is PERS. You, of course, know a bit about PERS because we had some PERS-related episodes of the Pig X podcast on the Global Ag Network. And it's looking like there is a new strain of the virus that could be a little bit more deadly. According to Dr. Clayton Johnson, 
Johnson with Catharge Veterinary Services told Brownfield Ag News that feedback from practitioners has been that the virus is as bad or worse than any PERS strain before, impacting pigs at all phases of production. He was quoted as saying, if you get into the sow farm, you not only see tremendous sow death loss, but you see a high number of abortions and you see horrible pre-weaning mortality numbers to the point where a lot of sow farms would report that they are not weaning pigs for many weeks after the introduction of that PERGS virus. And Johnson also added that the playbook to fight this strain, which is being called the PERS 144 Lineage 1C, is the same as the others with biosecurity as the base. So I would suggest that folks keep doing their biosecurity measures as normal, but hopefully we don't see a large outbreak of this. But I also read that, you know, a new strain of PERS emerges about every two to three years. So I think this might be right on time. Yes, it certainly sounds that way. And I think PERS typically, if I'm not mistaken, is usually worse in the summer months. So it's a little unusual. I think that we're seeing a spike happen now. Yeah, I am not exactly sure. I mean, I've, of course, listened to the audio from, you know, the Pig X podcast talking about those kinds of things. So that's about the basic knowledge that I know. But I would have to agree a little bit weird that we're seeing something come out right now. Well, Ashton, another thing we're seeing come out right now is some legislation potentially that could come out revolving around increasing market transparency in the cattle industry. Earlier this week, four senators said that they are planning to file legislation that would require meat packers to buy a portion of their slaughter cattle on the cash market. This bill would also create a contract library that discloses the purchase terms that packers offer to producers and so that it's a little more fair and known about what that price is that is being um, being used for farmers. So those four folks uh, really have been led by U.S. Senator Deb Fisher of Nebraska, who is, of course, also a member of the Agricultural Committee. And she's really been pushing hard. Other senators that supported this measure, the four that I mentioned there were Senators Chuck Grassley of Iowa and Senator John Tester of Montana, as well as Ron Wyden of Oregon. They announced that they were also joining Senator Fisher on announcing this legislation. So I won't go into the nitty gritties about what this legislation would do. Of course, this is just uh, not even introduced yet into onto the floor. So still really early on in this, but I know it's something that we've been talking a lot about on the podcast as we continue to see, you know, allegations and lawsuits of price fixing. Um, It appears Congress is listening. Well, Delaney, I'm going to move things down south because I have two pieces of news here actually from Brazil. Earlier today, they cleared imports of flour from Argentina made from genetically modified wheat. They're expecting, though, that sales of this new variety are unlikely anytime soon, given uncertainty about broader global acceptance and opposition from a powerful wheat millers lobby. Brazil's biosecurity agency, CTN Bio, said its unanimous decision is the first of its kind in the world, applied only to wheat flour, and it comes after Brazilian millers threatened to boycott Argentine grains. They are thinking that um, this decision, or I should say hopeful that this decision may spur a broader global discussion about acceptance of GMO wheat 
just amid rising global prices and concerns about more severe weather patterns and threatening food security. But I, you know, don't personally have a problem with GMOs, but I think that from a consumer standpoint, especially those who aren't you know, educated on what GMOs are, don't really know the terms about genetically modified products might not be as accepting. And so I think that Brazil is definitely counting on its consumers to be a little bit opposed to buying GMO wheat products, but they're still kind of pushing towards this innovation. Absolutely. And actually, you you hit the nail on the head there. I had that story as well, so I won't hit too much on that there. But, you know, speaking of innovation, Ashton, a big one that we've followed quite a lot has been Dicamba because that's been a big tool that a lot of people have been either on one side or the other on. But a couple of actually pieces of news related to Dicamba today, one of which is that the EPA has levied a fine against Nutrien Ag Solutions for allegedly applying Dicamba illegally on several Kansas farms during the summer of 2020. The company has been charged to pay $668,000 in fines for spraying Dicamba products in, quote, a manner inconsistent with the approved label, according to the agency's press release that was released earlier today. On the other hand, we also saw some news coming out today from scientists in both Tennessee and Illinois have confirmed that dicamba-resistance water hemp is in their respective states this week. The Illinois weed population collected from Champaign County shows about five to 10 fold levels of resistance to dicamba compared to susceptible populations. And then in Montgomery County, Tennessee, water hemp collected from fields in the Cumberland River bottoms are showing roughly four and a half fold levels of resistance to dicamba. So certainly starting to see that tool become less and less effective. Well, Delaney, like I mentioned there, both of my stories today are coming from Brazil. And the last little bit of news that I have here is concerning Mad Cow. On September 4th, Brazil confirmed two cases of what it called a typical Mad Cow disease in animals. But now Brazilian authorities are investigating two possible cases of mad cow disease in humans in Rio de Janeiro state, according to a municipal health secretary announced earlier today. This, of course, raises a red flag for meat packers that already halted beef exports to China. At the time, Brazil's Ag Ministry stressed that the two cases, I should kind of rewind here, but at the time of the two confirmed cases in September of mad cow in animals, the Ag Ministry stressed that these two cases identified meat plants in the states of Mato Grosso and Minas Gorias had generated spontaneously and were not related to contaminated feed as in classic mad cow disease. I think there's kind of a lot of questions when it comes to mad cow and particularly, I think from, you know, again, here, a consumer standpoint, people always talk about mad cow being the disease that, you know, makes people into zombies. I feel like in all the zombie movies, that's the trope there, which is not something to to really laugh about here, but um, at the same time, still some questions here on what exactly is going on with these two human cases. Not a lot of commentary is going on because there hasn't been immediate response to requests for comment um, from Brazil's ag ministry, along with, you know, 
beef exporters like JBS down in Brazil. So I think, of course, there's some red flags that are still raised and some questions that need to be answered. But Ashton, one thing we don't have a lot of question marks around is today's closing market prices. What do you say we hop over there and take a look? Let's do it. Well, we saw a little bit of a breather today in the corn markets as they are trying to find their footing post wise report. However, soybeans are continuing on their upward momentum here. These corn futures closed just a quarter of a cent higher today to end at 5.69.5. The march down three quarters of a cent to close at 5.78 on the nose. Nove soybeans today up eight and three quarter cents, closing at 12.12 and a quarter. The January up four and a half cents to close at 12.21 and a half. Chicago wheat higher today as the December contract added nine and a half cents, closing at eight twelve and a half. The March up nine and a quarter, ending the day out at eight twenty four and a quarter. Hopping over to take a look at the livestock pits today, we saw some mixed trade again in the cattle complex as the live cattle complex, fin- excuse me, as the live cattle markets finished lower, feeder cattle finished higher. Dees live cattle down twelve and a half cents today to end at one thirty one eighty seven and a half. The February cutting forty two and a half cents, closing at one hundred thirty six bucks. In the feeder cattle market, the January contract adding a dollar oh two, ending the day out at one fifty nine oh seven and a half, and the March. Up 87.5 cents, closing at 160.45. Looking down into the lean hog markets today, we saw some weakness as the December contract shed 32.5 cents, closing out at 75.37.5. The February down a quarter to close at 79.07.5. Lastly, wrapping things up here, Ashton, with the class three dairy milk futures, we saw strength today as the December contract added. A nickel to close at 18.08, the January up a dime to close at 18.45. Without further ado, Ashton, fill us in on who we're chatting with for today's interview. Today, we are talking to Emma Lindberg of National Farmers Union. Well, today I am talking to Emma Lindberg, who is the Senior Director of Education and Programming at National Farmers Union. Emma, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with us today. Thank you for having me, Ashton. I'm looking forward to our conversation. I am as well, because like I mentioned before, you and I started recording here. We've had some folks on from NFU before, but we're talking about a different program that we haven't really talked about here on the podcast yet. So I'm very excited to dive into that. But for our audience members who might not be familiar with NFU, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what the new the union actually is and what you do there? Thank you. So the National Farmers Union was founded in 1902. And we have grown since then. And we like to serve our members who are mostly farmers and ranchers across the United States. Our mission is to advocate for family farmers, ranchers, and their communities through education, legislation, and cooperation. So I focus a lot on that education and cooperation sides of our organization. And I help oversee some of our programs like our Beginning Farmer Institute, which helps folks with some of their business help as well as some of our other youth and adult programs that happen throughout the year. The Beginning Farmer Institute is a free year-long training program intended to improve the health of a person's farm or ranch business. Each year, we bring together a cohort of individuals who have the opportunity to attend seminars, network with their peers, pursue independent learning activities, and receive one-on-one technical assistance. We do this by hosting quarterly training sessions that are led by experts in business management and the cooperative business model. 
in between those sessions, participants have the opportunity to do some continued, continued education independently, including reviewing some videos, completing self-assessment, and answering reflection questions to make sure that they are getting the most out of the program. We also spend that time in between our sessions to help provide some catered one-on-one -on -one technical assistance to make sure everyone gets what they need, kind of like tutoring a little bit to help people move forward with their business. And upon completing the program, individuals have the opportunity to attend some of the other great National Farmers Union programming, like our anniversary convention. And we also have some great travel opportunities throughout the program. For example, this year, we're gonna be taking folks out to St. Louis, Missouri for a few days. During the program, we'd like to focus on a wide variety of topics. So we cover some topics from business formation to taxation, accounting, land access, labor, credit, and business planning. Lots of cover in one year, but we really enjoy doing it. We love working with our folks. So I want to talk about eligibility here because it is the beginning farmer institute. So, you know, people who are kind of new to farming and ranching, that kind of business, but it doesn't always have to be young people. So what is the eligibility requirements here? Great question. Yeah, it doesn't have to be young people. You need to be at least 18 years old to be eligible for the program. But where you are in your farm journey is different. We've had folks who've come to us and they started farming as they retired. Or we've had folks come to us as they're taking over the family farm from their parents. So we always have a wide range of ages in our program. Very open to anybody who is starting out their farm operations, who's a little new to farming, no matter where you are in that new part of that journey. So I want to know a little bit more about the cohorts that we are currently running through the 2021 cohort and some of the operations that you have seen, um, you know, is it just, you know, people who are looking for, um, you know, farming row crops or, you know, this, that, the other, is it kind of a, a wide range of folks and a wide range of interests? Yeah, it's extremely wide range and very diverse. I think this past cohort that we just wrapped up in September we had a farmer on less than an acre in Detroit, Michigan, doing urban farming, all the way up to a farmer on a few thousand acres doing row crops and cattle out, I want to say, in North Dakota. And a lot of people in between. We've had folks who are coming and they are running, um, they're doing bees and honey. We have folks who've done vineyards before. We had some folks in the program this year who had alpacas, and they were also processing wool from some of their neighboring farms. So really diverse operations coming together. And we like to focus on things that any farmer could use. So that's why we do those things like taxes. You know, everybody has to pay their taxes. Everybody has to make sure they have good accounting practices. So it doesn't matter who those folks are that come together. We have something for them. And what's really great when we bring this very diverse group together is they really help each other learn because there are some things that urban farmers might be doing that some folks on larger land and more rural areas might never have thought of and vice versa. So it's just a great opportunity to share that wealth of knowledge and share that diverse background amongst each other. And with all that diversity, you know, I'm sure that 
the guys over at NFU are also kind of learning as well. It sounds like a, a win-win situation here because I mean, alpacas, I know nothing about alpacas. So I'm sure that you guys maybe don't have an in-house alpaca expert. So are you guys kind of learning, you know, as you go along as well? Definitely. It has been a learning experience for us. Yeah, I know. I, I've seen alpacas, but I have not worked very closely with them. So it's been really great to learn more about what that operation means. And what's also great about being a part of National Farmer Union is we have a really extensive network. So we've been able to help connect those folks with some of our partner organizations, but also with members within our whole nearly 200,000 farmer membership and just help folks make connections so that we can learn more, but also make sure that they're learning from those relationships as well. So I want to talk a little bit more about the benefits and costs here, just because, you know, I'm sure that a membership to NFU is maybe expected. What are some of those expectations when being a part of the program? Sure. So we do our best to make sure that there are very, very few costs. This is a free program. You don't have to pay any sort of registration fee. We provide our folks with a one-year Farmers Union membership if they're not already a member, and that's something that they can choose to renew after the year. And when we do meet in person, we cover the cost of travel. We book your airfare. We put you up in a hotel. We take you out for most meals. We like to leave one night open so that you can explore whatever city we're in. But we do our best to try and make it easy for you to come and make it very inexpensive or no cost at all. So kind of a, a last question here as we kind of wrap things up, Emma, just wanted to know a little bit more about the application slash selection process and where folks can really view more info. The application is currently open and it'll be open through December 1st. So if anybody's interested in applying, we're more than happy to talk to you if you have questions or if you know somebody who might benefit from a program like this, we're also happy to connect with them. And folks can learn more if they go onto our website at nfu.org slash beginning dash farmer dash institute. Awesome. Well, Emma, we certainly appreciate you coming on and telling us a little bit more about this program. Hopefully you have some great applications for this next cohort. Thank you, Ash, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. Thanks again there to Emma for coming on and chatting about that NFU Beginning Farmers Institute. I'm sure that that program, of course, offers a lot to its cohort members. So if you do want to look into that, you can go to that website that Emma mentioned there. But while you're at it, you can also go over to the Global Ag Network website, where, of course, we have the Ag News Daily podcast and others like the Pig X podcast that you can tune into. With that, Delaney, should we let the people go? Let's let them go.